Welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. I'm a mom, physician assistant, writer, and life coach. Two years ago, I was feeling stuck, restless, overwhelmed, and I felt like I wasn't where I was supposed to be, but I had no idea what that even meant. And the crazy part is my life had turned out pretty awesome, at least on paper, but I couldn't figure out what was wrong or why I felt out of alignment. A series of books and podcasts and conversations changed my life and revealed my next journey one step at a time. My purpose right now is to help you wake up to your soul's purpose by sharing conversations with amazing women who've walked in your shoes. Keep listening and the answers to your next step will come, I promise. We're all here for a reason, and I'll help you figure out what that is so you don't have to waste another minute sleepwalking through your life. I definitely don't have it all figured out, so I'll also share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Are you at a point in your life where things aren't bad, but they're also not exactly how you want them? But the problem is you don't really know what you want. Maybe your job's not bad, but you also think, man, I don't know if I want to be there five years from now. So if things aren't going fabulously, then let's talk. Let's figure out what you can change, what you can't change, and how you might get to where you want to go. And if you don't know where you want to go, we'll figure that out. So schedule your complimentary discovery call. We'll talk, and it's sort of like having your own mini session. Um, You can email me at hope.cook at gmail.com or look me up on Instagram at coachhopecook. My website is also coachhopecook.com. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have Heather Morrison-Tapley, and I know her from my life coaching group, and this is actually the first time we've met, but we corresponded via email, and Heather has written a book, and she's going to tell us about it, and she's also, I'm fascinated by this, Heather, a Chinese herbalist. Is that how you refer to yourself? Yeah, acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist, yeah. Yes. If I had known that was a thing back in the day, I probably would have considered something like that because I'm fascinated by what by Eastern medicine and I studied functional medicine for a little while. But I think the Chinese medicine Uh philosophy is is right on track with where we all need to be. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) All right. So I want to hear your story about how you went from, you're still doing what you're doing as far as Chinese medicine, but how did you end up writing a fiction book? Well, I actually started writing this book. I realized it's 22 years ago now, right after I graduated um, acupuncture school, I went to school out in Santa Fe, New Mexico for four years for acupuncture and Chinese herbalism. And I moved to Boulder, Colorado. And this book just, you know, like all those things, I guess, that are meant to be, it just wanted to be written. And it was called The Herbalist right away. And I sat in a coffee shop and wrote most of this book. And then, you know, life happens. I moved a couple of times. I would pick it up and put it down. Tell me back Um, back when you were at that coffee shop and you said it sort of wanted to be born. Tell me what that was like. That felt like, I guess, all the times that the decisions have been really right in my life, just sort of this knowing, actually, that's a thing in the book is follow your knowing. And that's the dedication to my sons. Follow your knowing. This old herbalist talks about your knowing, which is 
you just know when you know it, right? You can't really even describe it, but I guess you could say it's like a hunch or a gut feeling, but this book kind of came out of nowhere. And um, I just thought I have to write this book. I don't even know why. I've, I've always liked writing. I've written poetry since I was a little kid mm-hmm. and I've always enjoyed creative writing, but this was the first time I felt like, oh, this is the story and this is how it goes. And this is the plot. It kind yeah. of just um, came to me. Do you remember in that coffee shop thinking, well, I don't know how to do this or how would I, how in the world would I get an editor? How would I get an agent? Do you remember all that self-doubt or did you just know that it needed to be? That came later. (laughs) That came later. (laughs) I am what Martha Beck calls a quick start. I'm a very quick start. So when I have an idea, I just kind of jump in with both feet. Uh Um, I do remember sitting in this coffee shop and it was just a cool old wooden like people would just sit at these wooden tables for hours in Boulder and a lot of people were in there writing or doing something creative and this guy said to me are you creating that quickly because I'm just you know typing and I said yeah I said hey I'm not telling you it's good but it's just like coming out it did get rewritten several times it wasn't like it all just came out and you know was done but um yeah I just kind of dove in later probably why it took me 22 years to publish it was the self-doubt and like nobody wants to read this and this isn't any good and yeah yeah but the so I don't write fiction I just write sort of self-helpy kind of stuff um so when you have a character like the character that was in your head do you feel like it was you at a younger age or how did how did you come up with the character it was partly it was partly me. Um, I mean, it takes place in New York City where I was born and then in this little village in England where I spent my summers growing up. And that part is straight out of my childhood. So my grandparents mm-hmm. lived in a 400-year-old thatched cottage wow. in this village. Yeah, they had retired to that. And it was just so magical to me growing up yeah. in New York and New Jersey. So a lot of it was real. And the people in the book are real, based on real people. Um, so the character was somewhat autobiographical not completely but I wrote it when I was you know 29 and the character was a lot older and okay quite a bit older and, um but definitely certainly parts of me are in her yeah yeah okay so you you had this character you wrote all about her and then did life just happen yeah then I moved from Boulder back east and um then I ended up moving to San Francisco I moved all over the place and um, started my practice in a couple of different locations and yeah, I guess it just wasn't a priority. I never really thought I was going to do much with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would always pick it back up even sometimes if a couple of years had gone by. And then, then I went through, then I went through a difficult divorce mm-hmm. about seven years ago. And even though I was like commuting really far away and working here and had my kids and was moving, I think it was my escape because when I'm writing, I'm really in this other place Mm -hmm. that I get to create. So even though I was ridiculously busy, that's when I wrote this final version that exists right now of this Mm -hmm. book. That's, Um, That's what I love hearing. You know, so many women will say like, how do you, you know, I can't find time to write a book. I can't find time to do the laundry, much less write a book. I'm so stressed. And, but you bring up a good point that a lot of times that will relieve a lot of the, um, mental stress that you're under when you can escape to something creative like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm now findings. I'm starting on my second book that I'm thinking now, how am I going to find time to do this? But I do agree that 
I guess when when the drive is really there, you kind of find the time or you make the time. And it might be 20 minutes squeezed in. I remember I would sit down and just write for half an hour. It wasn't yeah. like, okay, now I've got three hours that I can mm-hmm. devote to this. It was just kind of here and there, which, you know, as a working mom, that's really all you have. Yeah, that's what I've heard Glennon Doyle say. She did crack writing, like, you know, when her kids were, <laughs> yeah. she, she wrote entire books in the 45 minutes before her kids woke up in the mornings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's okay, my current, so that's my current MO. Six thirty before my kids get up. Yeah. Okay. So you said that about seven years ago when you were going through the, the divorce and commuting, and then that's when this you started kind of working on it again. Yeah, I guess actually, I guess I missed a step because at one point, no, it was right around my divorce that I sent it out to publishers. Oh wow. So this was as Martha Beck would call your in square three, I'd been through. The difficult end of a marriage and a divorce with young kids and <clears throat> a move and um and I thought okay my book is done now I'm gonna publish it yeah I'm ready and <laughs> nobody wanted it <laughs> so oh. I was like oh that's shocking it doesn't really I mean part maybe it's just horrible I don't know but it's also it doesn't really fit it's sort of a romance but it's really to me the primary relationship is about the woman and this old herbalist that she meets and studies with. Uh-huh. That's kind of the interesting relationship to me. So it didn't really fit in a category. It's also, I guess, sort of magical realism. It's got some magic in it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I had some interest from, from a publisher and it didn't pan out. And I, so I shelved it again. And you sent it to a lot until, of people, didn't you? I did. I sent it to a lot of people. And I mean, it was, it was really hard to get those rejection letters because it's very vulnerable. It's one thing to write it or work on it at home. It's very vulnerable to send it out. Yeah. I discovered and then have people not want it. Um, Do they send emails nowadays or do they send, like, um, do you get a paper letter? Emails. Okay. I bet you, yeah, you probably got to the point where you see the email and I imagine at first it was like excitement. And then after a few rejections, it's probably trepidation. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just doubt like everything you've written and um, what you want to do with it. And yeah. So that was tough. I actually, this past weekend just went to Kripalu. I don't know where you live, but like, it's like retreat with my best friend from growing up. And it was Elizabeth Gilbert was running this (gasps) workshop, right? Oh my gosh. Dream come true meant to be timing right wow. when I was publishing this book last month my friend was like oh my gosh she's coming my friend lives in the town that Kripalu's yeah. in we signed up but she was saying that for seven years she got rejections wow for eat pray and love I was like okay not for eat pray love before that just trying to become yeah. a writer okay um so I think there are a lot of stories not that I, I'm no Elizabeth Gilbert, but you know oh, I think there's a lot of stories of getting ready to publish and thinking like you've hit your moment and then it doesn't happen. Yeah. And Heather, had you told people that you'd written this book and you were trying to get it published? No, or were you very that's a good question. <laughs> Nobody knew except maybe my, my one best friend. Yeah. Why do you think that was? Um, I guess if it didn't work out, I didn't really want people to know. And yeah. also, you know, I always thought that my first book would be something really kind of profound and in the Uh end I wrote this sort of fun vacation read book and I thought oh it's not how I see myself but that's what I wrote and I realized as soon as and so when I published it I also decided I was not going to tell a single person that I'd published I just needed 
to get it out there. So you self-published um, on Amazon. So I've, I decided just to self-publish. Um, yeah, so I had shelved it after all those rejections and just got busy with my life and working a lot more and um, eventually meeting my lovely now husband. And so life got busy. And then uh, the Martha Beck training really, there were a few things I read about, you know, you've got to ship the work, I think was the, the line that I read. And I just felt like I started writing a book about my father's death. He died recently, um, quite suddenly. And there were a lot of amazing lessons in that. And um, there were other books that I felt like I wanted to write had a couple things going, but I couldn't get like, it was like this book was sort of in the way. I just uh, had to yeah. get it out. And you also, um, I heard that you, um, you referred to it, you were talking about your essential self and how I may be getting this wrong, but the book sort of represented what your essential self wanted, or can you tell me more about that? Um, yeah, the, do you mean about sort of following your knowing and that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the book is about this woman who um, has this great life in New York City, but it's not, it's, you know, I mean, I wrote this 22 years ago, but looking at it through the Martha Beck lens, it's very much her social self. So she has a job, but she, it's a great job and the relationship with a successful guy, but her heart isn't in any of it. Yeah. And so after a couple of horrible events that, that happen all at once, as often does happen in life, she just gives it all up and leaves. And so it's really about her trying to figure out who she is and find her connection to her essential mm -hmm. self. That's really the story in the book. And um, this old herbalist that she works with um, kind of helps her recognize what it feels like to be in touch with your essential self and how you know what your decisions are that feel right and your path mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Yeah. And when you I love how you talk about the social self because we have all that's our that's our Facebook self that's our Instagram self yes. it's the we've done it done what we set out to do and then we still sometimes find this emptiness or this hollow feeling or this longing or as Martha calls it this yearning for something else and yeah. I mean we just push it away and we don't we don't give value to that and um yeah, I, I wonder as a 29 year old, though, that's pretty profound that you kind of were able to write about that. Did you even know sort of like, had you lived that in your own life? Actually, now that you mentioned that, that, I guess I had because so I guess it relates in a way to I was in this Ph.D. program at the University of Chicago for anthropology, which was the number one anthropology program in the country. And I had done the master's and my advisor said, you know we just, we were so impressed with what you did. We would like to offer you a free ride for a PhD wow. at the school. I actually had moved to New York and he was in New York and he met with me to say like, come back and, you know, which was amazing. And sometimes yeah. I still think, well, that was really either bold or really dumb, but <laughs> I just knew it wasn't even at that age. I just knew. So that was like 23. I just knew gosh, this looks so great. Like uh -huh. it's kind of the Martha Becky, right? Like it yeah. looks, I mean, oh my gosh, this is, I did anthropology undergrad. This is like the number one or two program in the country. It looks amazing. Yeah. And I don't want to do it. Like it does not feel, this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to study other cultures for a year and then tell everybody what it all means. I felt like that's so yeah, kind of pompous. <laughs> like I just, I don't know. 
you just knew somewhere deep inside that it didn't I just knew it wasn't right yeah and I but I didn't know what was next which was kind of scary so I Uh you know I had ended up importing wine in New York which wasn't terrible but I sort of (laughs) tried to figure it out did you go through the pH like did you move to Chicago and start the program or before you even started I had moved to Chicago and done the master's degree at the University of Chicago okay and then, then I left. Um, I didn't ever move back. No, I, um, I kind of bounced around for a couple of years. And I think that was my first, you know, younger version of this, of, I guess I just always knew I want to feel in alignment with my higher mm-hmm. self. I knew that from a young age. Yeah. And, um, and a, a turning point was I didn't have any spiritual background. I mean, my parents are Great Britain. I grew up in New Jersey, like with their, you know, mm-hmm. in the suburbs. It was very kind of straight laced. Um, and even then, I knew I would like didn't quite always fit into that. But my brother married this woman. Um, her parents are Swedish, and they were very into transcendental meditation. Okay. So they lived in Fairfield, Iowa. Wow. And they had this. <laughs> yeah. Which is like the world headquarters of transcendental meditation. I've heard that. Who don't they like imagine? the whole town yeah. pauses at a certain time and they. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that much about transcendental meditation, I have to say. But they had this wedding. I mean, my parents must have been like, how did we birth these children? But they had this wedding on the summer solstice and everyone had to wear white and there was a maypole and it was this very spiritual event. And um, at that point, I think I was like working in a health food store, like, what am I doing? And so her her stepfather, who was from Sweden and very spiritual said, um, I said something to the effect of, I just don't know what I'm doing. And he said, well, just ask the universe, just ask a question and then get very quiet and you'll get an answer. Ah. So I was thinking like a year or five years, but it was like that weekend. I just heard acupuncture. Wow. <laughs> uh, like heard it. And I'm so fickle. It was like, I knew it and I've never Changed yeah. my mind. Um, Had you ever even seen an acupuncturist? Um, at that point, I think maybe I had. So at that point, my parents had just recently moved to China on business. And wow. so I had visited them there and my mother had had acupuncture and I, I thought it sounded crazy. Yeah. But she had great results. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is this all about? That seems very bizarre. She'd had great results for arthritis and, and I'd been interested in medicine, but not Western. And it just all... It was weird. It came, it's another one of those things that was just like, oh, but you know it when you feel it. Yeah, that is, yeah, this makes sense. Okay. So your whole journey, I've kind of seen your journey (laughs) from the rearview mirror. (laughs) It all makes sense now. Okay. So you went to Chinese medicine, medical, what do they call it? Chinese medical medicine? Um, I don't know what they, <laughs> how to phrase it. I went to school for Chinese medicine. Gotcha. And you started working and you've written this book. Um, did, so you and didn't I tell I feel it. like I'm telling you this story backwards, aren't I? Sorry. No, no, it's good. It's good. I feel like we're having coffee and I get to ask you all these questions. <laughs> so you didn't tell anybody when you put this thing up on Amazon. No, I was kind of. I mean, I don't want to say I was embarrassed about it, but I think because it was a romance novel and yeah. I didn't tell anyone except my very best friend in the world. And she said to me, Heather, you wrote a book. Do you know uh-huh. how few people actually like write and publish a book? Tell some people. So I told a few people and I couldn't believe I put it on Facebook. I don't have a huge, it's just yeah. actual close friends of mine. And so many people bought it and people loved it. I was oh, completely, wow. utterly shocked, like truly 
I thought it was horrible. And (laughs) (laughs) I got one kind of naysayer on Amazon, but other than that, everybody that's read it, I think has given it a five-star review and it's just completely shocked me. So I guess I'm glad I told somebody. Well, and when you're in alignment like that, I think you do produce things that are, that are going to be amazing. Like you know, no matter what it is. So did you have to rein yourself in from checking Amazon every day or? <laughs> oh, no, I check Amazon every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So then did you start identifying like, okay, I'm an author. I am a published author. You have such good questions. Um, <laughs> yes, because to my surprise, it's all kind of been to my surprise, but it's really been surprising to me how much it's affected me to have published it. And I really, I wish if I had a message to my younger self or to anyone else younger than me, because uh-huh. I mean, I'm 52, right? So it took me a while to get here is, you know, that thing that you know you want to do. Um, I just identify yourself as that, even if, you know, I kind of wish I'd felt like a writer. I think it was Glennon Doyle. Was it Glennon Doyle? Or Martha Beck said at one point, you know, you don't have to have ever published anything. Oh, no, it was Liz Gilbert, you know, to call yourself a poet. If you write poetry, you're a poet. Mm -hmm. So having published it, I've joined like, I live in Maine, I've joined the Maine Writers Association. And um, I just got my book in the library here. And I'm doing like an author event with it one evening next month. And it feels like, oh, I'm sort of involved in this world of people who write. And I wish I had done that a lot sooner. Yeah. But it has, it has definitely felt different to have published it and sort of own that a little bit. That's so true. And um, one of my friends has a 14-year-old who during the pandemic decided she was going to write a book and publish it. And she researched it on Google and did it and ended up in the local Barnes and Noble And I look at her and she had no, um, you know, thoughts like adults have, like, I can't do this. I'm not a writer. I didn't get a degree in writing. I don't know how to, you know, who do I think I am? She's just like, no, I'm just going to do it. She just did it. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, kids are amazing like that, right? Yeah. 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 Because even calling yourself a writer, I mean that, or whatever it is that you're pursuing, you're right. That is a big deal. And it awakens all sorts of fears in us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you are an official author, a published author. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How has it it changed your day-to-day life, if at all? Um, I mean, not dramatically, but certainly it's, just something that's it's kind of interesting and fun so things like getting it in my library my neighbor owns a shop in town and she put it in her shop and it sold out twice in the first week and like so it's been very fun I would say to completely to my surprise um and there's just been enough little things going on with it that it you know it's definitely a part of my day right now um and when we did the ideal day with Martha Mm -hmm. Beck the other week Mine involved a lot of writing and it involved ooh, it involved a little she shed because I have two teenage boys, two teenage stepdaughters, and there's just always people everywhere. Yeah. Um, and my dream was to have like a little she shed, although I don't like that phrase. But And so I'm building one super inexpensively in my backyard wow. and I've just decided I'm going to make space for this 
in my life. Like I'm going to, you know, I have my second book is completely written in my head already. I just have to write it. That is awesome. Um, So it has kind of changed my life, I guess. And for listeners who are like, ideal day, what is that? It's an exercise that you could do um, on your own, or you could do with a coach where you imagine your ideal day from start to finish. And Heather, it's funny that I'm interviewing you and we're talking about this because in my ideal day, I was sitting at a cafe in like Costa Rica and I was finishing up my book <laughs> and, I, and I don't, I don't have a book, but in my ideal day, that's what I was doing. And, um, I mean, I could see the color of the, you know, that I wanted the jacket to be, and it was like saffron yellow and just being able to visualize Perfect. these things really plant seeds. Perfect. And then they, like you with the, she shed, you know, like you imagined it and now you're starting on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I don't know if you find this, but the exercises when you read about them it seems like I kind of know what my ideal day would look like. But then when you actually do it, it's every time it surprises uh-huh. me how that what an impact it has. Yeah, I think that's your essential self um, saying like, "Yes, now's my chance to like blurt out what it is I really want." Right. <laughs> She's listening. Finally, we got her attention. Yeah. Because our social selves have like the lid tightly on the pot. Like, don't, don't let those dreams out. You'll look stupid. You'll, you know, people will laugh at you. Yeah. It's big. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's definitely, yeah. How did you decide? Sometimes it does happen. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes it does. (laughs) How did you decide to do the Martha Beck program? I had thought about it for years. I had really been so drawn to it. And, um, you know, for a while, it just wasn't financially possible. But I also just, I think it was about making the investment in myself. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, I, it was kind of a big step. And then I realized, well, I spend money on everybody else. And I really want to do this thing. And Mm -hmm. I really want to coach, like, I really want to do this as a career. Yeah. Um, So I just, it was almost more of a statement too that I'm allowed to do this for myself. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I interviewed a lady, um, Meg Letty, and she was talking about investing in yourself in these micro ways at first. Like, do you wear, I'm not asking you this, but do you, you know, do we wear underwear that's like got holes in it or, (laughs) or socks that are like threadbare and do we shop for our kids at nicer stores, but we're like always at Target or TJ Maxx buying our stuff. And, you know, she's like just micro investments in yourself. And, um, if you do pay for a course or you pay for a, a, a coach or something like that is, that is a big message to yourself that like, I matter, I'm going to do yeah. this. Yes. I so agree with that. And I love that uh, concept of the micro ones too, because mm-hmm. so, I mean, everything's a metaphor, right? So that, yeah. that's true. And your kids yeah, get to it's... see you having teenagers, they get to watch you doing this for yourself and the yeah. time, the money, like all of the things that you're pouring into this. Yeah. Yeah. To follow what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. Cause we pay money for our kids to do like travel ball and, you know, oh, expensive exactly. like lessons for piano or whatever. And then when yeah. it comes time for us to do something, we're like, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I'm completely like that. All the, yeah. We're, I mean, yeah, we're going to Disney world next month, which or this month. Great. But I mean, that is not where I would spend my money. I know. Because I really want to go. So yeah, I had to just finally say, and I do really believe when you're acting in that flow of things that 
money and effort that you put out do come back to you. Yeah. I think when you tight fist it around money, then you, it doesn't flow to you too. So Mm -hmm. I think allowing just saying, yeah, I'm going to make this investment and I'm trusting that however it comes back to me is sort of what it's meant to be. Yeah. And being, if if you've been in Chinese medicine for 20 years, the healing profession, like I've been in dermatology for 20 years, you get to a point and you can tell me where I'm wrong, that you just sort of, um, you want to help people in a different way and help them heal, you know, their, like we were talking about your essential self, sort of awaken a part of them that maybe they didn't even know was there. And that's, that's what I love about coaching. Yeah. I do too. Oh, that's so neat that you, so you're a doctor. There are so a, many doctors in the program. <laughs> Physician okay, assistant. well, that's, that's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it has, a, I don't really use my coaching per se, but I, I do find that I ask patients different questions than I would ask if I weren't in this program. And I try to, um, try to listen to them in a different way too. Have you found yeah. that to be the case with your practice? Yeah, definitely. Very much so. And I also found that I was already doing a lot of listening. And, you know, sometimes I think people were coming in just to have somebody to talk to, you know, somebody that would really actively listen to them. And, um, but yeah, it has really, it has changed the way I listen. That's been a big thing I've gotten out of this course. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was a great listener. Oh, I've definitely, I always thought I had ADD. I don't think I do, but, um, yeah, I would have an attention span of about a minute and yeah, this has made me like sit and listen and really think about what they're saying. (laughs) Yeah. And I think too, I don't know about this in your job, but my job is people come in and they want me actively to fix a problem for them. So um, to be so almost passive, that's the good lesson for me. I mean, at home too, I'm finding it, it helps, but there was one of our coaches said this expression she'd read somewhere that really when you're listening, you should be like a rock with ears. That is so oh, stuck with me because like I'm always like, oh, well, I think I know the solution to your problem. <laughs> you know? Yes. Like, so I love that. I'll have to remember it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, visual. Tell our listeners where they can find your book and that it's called The Herbalist. The book is called The Herbalist. It's available on amazon.com. Yay. Um, that sounds so official. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then um, your website? My website is a work in progress, but um, it is mountainheatherbooks.com. All right. And yeah. I'll also link social media if you want to list that. And um, yeah, we can't wait to, I'm going to order your book because I've got an Amazon gift card. So that's on my list oh, to do today. Great. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for spending your Saturday with me. Oh, it was so much fun. Thank you for having me. All right, before we do the take home points, I wanted to remind y'all to subscribe because we're going to take a break um, after the next couple of episodes and you want to know when I resume sending out episodes, right? So just subscribe. Okay, here we go. Number one, pay attention when you have a deep knowing about something, a hunch or an intuitive hit. Number two, when the drive is there, you will find the time. 20 minutes here and there will add up. Making time and space for your dream sends powerful messages to yourself and the universe that you're serious and the dream is worth it. Number three, be okay with rejections and stay the course. Number four, part of finding yourself is about asking if you really want something and whether you connect with this thing deep inside. If the answer is no, find the courage to move on. 
Number five, if you're feeling lost, try asking the universe about your next step and get quiet. You might be surprised when you hear an answer. And that's it, y'all. Take care. Thank y'all for listening. It was so much fun talking to you today. All right, if you are ready to make some major changes in your life, if you're at the point where you are sick and tired of feeling stuck and directionless and you really don't know what to do next or where to go, maybe it's time we had a little chat. So I have it set up on my website. You can schedule a free 30-minute discovery call and we'll sit down and decide if we're a good fit. Maybe you'd prefer group coaching. Maybe you need one-on-one coaching or maybe you just want to talk and and say hello. So go on over to my website. It's coachhopecook.com. That's H-O-P-E-C-O-O-K.com and schedule the free discovery call. And I can't wait to talk to you. So See you next week, and hopefully I'll talk to some of you before that.